Well, welcome, Bible Chapel family. It is good to see a lot of you here in the South Hills right now. As always, we want to welcome our online campus, all of you joining us digitally, and our campuses who join us right now for this service in Washington, in Wilkinsburg, in Robinson, Ross Straver, in DeBerry. Welcome, Bible Chapel family, wherever you are joining us right now. So, in 2013, UCLA professor and neuroscientist Matthew Lieberman published this book called Social, Why Our Brains Are Wired to Connect. And in this book, it says that he looked through 1,000 published and non-published studies on this topic of social interaction. And Lieberman uh, gives this brief synopsis of what he found. Quote, being socially connected is our brain's lifelong passion. It's been baked into our operating system. I give him a lot of credit for his work, but I knew that, and I did not have to study 1,000 published or unpublished articles because God's word right from the get-go says we were created for community. In Genesis chapter 2.18, we use this often in weddings here at the Bible Chapel. God has said everything about his creation. It was good. It is good. But for the first time, he says of man, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. That word helper is the Hebrew word azir. It's actually used in scripture often to refer to God himself as our companion, our supporter, in this life. God hardwired in us this need for community. And that's the last topic we're hitting in this Anchored series. So I want to ask you this question, this question. Think about your life right now. Who is your community? Who is your community? Some might say right now, it's my immediate family. They've always been my community. And some of you right now might be saved, but they no longer are because I'm tired of them with COVID going on too long. I'm done with them. For some, it's your neighborhood or school district. That's my community. I grew up in South Fayette. My community is South Fayette. For for some of you, it's your age or or demographic. That's my community, my, my peers. For some, it's an area of interest. I'm part of the sports community. That's, that's my connection. Or I'm part of the arts community. For some, especially with the tensions in our nation right now, the first thing that comes to mind is your ethnicity or race. I'm part of the Hispanic or Latino community. I'm part of the Asian community. I'm part of the black community. I'm part of the white community. And when we put all these distinct smaller communities together, our nation has always longed that we would be this beautiful, united whole. But history shows us time and time again, due to our sin nature, we use those community differences more to divide than to unite. We think about the generations. Instead of older generations intentionally developing the next generation or younger generations respecting and looking for advice from the older generations, we divide ourselves. Those millennials and Gen Zers, they're a bunch of frappuccino, lazy tech kids. 
in my day, right? I walked 50 miles to school, no shoes. My parents would put stones in my backpack just to make it a little harder. Or those baby boomer sages are out of touch. I mean, seriously, some of them still have flip phones. What in the world could I learn from them? Instead of valuing the beauty of how God has uniquely designed us physically, we often use in our history our differences more to divide and oppress one another. As long as sin is in the world, so will be racism and injustice. And there's a reason why when our nation keeps putting our hope either in a person or a politician or an activist group or some form of legislation, this hope of unity and true community will always fall short. Why? Because division is ultimately a sin issue. And a spiritual problem needs a spiritual solution. And his name's Jesus Christ. Only Jesus has the power to conquer sin and bring about the ever, not temporal, everlasting community that we're hardwired to desire. That's our focus this last weekend of our Anchored series. We're going to look at a passage in Scripture that shows through Jesus Christ alone can we find the foundation, the formation, and the function of everlasting community. Father, we uh, pray right now and we thank you. We thank you in these unique times, whether we're meeting physically or digitally together as a church family, that we are united by your spirit and we are still one. Every time we meet, no matter what it looks like, we want to hear from you. So I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be honoring and pleasing to you, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles or you have your phones, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. That's where we're going to this weekend. So in Ephesians, Paul writes to believers there. And, and of all Paul's letters, Ephesians probably is the one most centered on this connection from sound doctrine to sound practice. And when it comes to community, Christian community, that's the focus of chapter 2. Sound doctrine leads to sound practice. The end of chapter 2 is our focus, but it begins with that word, therefore, in verse 11. And every time we see therefore, you have to go back to connect the sections together. Paul is building off in this section off of verses 8 through 10, this, this glorious three verses. It changed my life as a junior in high school. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 11, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. This is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no person may boast. For we are his workmanship. You are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Paul in verse 11 says, Therefore, church, since you have been saved, not by anything of your own doing, but by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, therefore, church, since God did not put you in Christ to sit around and wait for his return or sit around and wait to go to be with him, no, he has created you to do good works in Christ. We got to nail this down. And before he gets into that foundation, formation, and function of community, he reminds them first who they were before Jesus. Paul, in this letter, 
is writing to two community groups that hated each other. You think we have division in our nation? You should have seen the division and hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles, meaning basically the non-Jews. They hated each other. From a Jewish perspective, the Gentiles were pagans. They were unclean. They were the uncircumcised. It was literally under their culture, illegal for a Jew to aid a Gentile woman who was in labor because you would aid her in giving birth to another heathen. That's how they viewed the Gentiles. Same animosity right back to the Jews. In Gentile terms, the Jews were destructive enemies of the human race. Paul reminds these two groups who they were before Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, in this one verse, he first talks specifically to the Gentiles and how they were separated from God and how they were separated from the Jewish nation as well. This division, and he uses this word alienated. Do you think anybody today in our country still feels alienated or isolated? Listen to verse 12. Paul says, Gentiles, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the promises of, of the covenants of promise. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. Amazing. In one verse, Paul says these five things of the Gentiles. Before Jesus, before Jesus, number one, you had no Messiah. You had no future coming of a Savior. You had no Messiah. Second, he says, you're not part of the commonwealth of Israel. He's basically saying you had no everlasting citizenship. In the Greco-Roman culture, citizenship was everything, especially that coveted Roman citizenship. He tells the Gentiles, unlike the Jews who are recognized as a theocracy, meaning they were at least a nation under God, the Gentiles as a whole were excluded. They were alienated. They had no true citizenship. Third, he says, because of that, you have no lasting promises to cling to. The Gentiles had no part and were deprived of any of those covenants that God gave to the nation of Israel. Therefore, if you have no future Messiah, you have no true citizenship, you have no promises, he says, so you basically have no hope. Why? Because you're without God. You want to talk about a community truly alienated. It was the Gentiles. Compared to the Jews, the Gentiles literally had no meaning, no hope, no purpose, no direction until Jesus. In verse 13, these five glorious words, but now in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus, Jews and Gentiles were on an equal playing field spiritually. Salvation had nothing to do anymore about ancestry and nothing to do about what you work to get to God. Jesus came for all people. And not only through Christ did God bring new hope to the Gentiles, he now united the Gentiles and Jews, these two divided communities. And we don't have time today to go all the way through verses 13 through 19. But here's what Paul says. Five things. Think about who they were without Jesus. Now listen to who they are with Jesus. Number one, you used to have no Messiah. Now you have salvation in Christ. 
Paul says in verse 13, they were brought near by the blood of Christ. Sin separates humanity from God, and sin is the root issue that separates us from one another. And only the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ could save both the Jew and the Gentile. Again, salvation based off nothing inherited or the works of man, solely based off the work of Jesus Christ. And you talk about that citizenship that they long for, right? They, they had no home. And Jesus, Gentiles and Jews, verse 19 says, they become fellow citizens with the saints. They are literally, in Christ, citizens of the kingdom of God. Philippians 3.20 puts it this way, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only did the Gentiles in Jesus receive unity with God, they were now unified with the Jewish believers. Verse 15, Paul says that they become one new man instead of two. That's the beauty of Christian community. It's not that in Christian community, the Jews become Gentiles or the Gentiles become Jews. No, they become a new identity called a Christian. They are united in that new identity. They don't lose their distinctiveness. They're often called Gentile believers or Jewish believers, but the things that divided them, that same passage says, through Christ's death, he put to death the walls of hostility. Man, even in the church, when we start to cling to the things that make us distinct and we lose focus on the one who unites us, first and foremost, we're Christians. That's who defines us now. And that's the unity that the early church had. And here's the beauty. They went from hostility to peace. When someone trusts in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you go from an enemy of God to a child of the living God. And in verse 14, Paul puts it this way. He says, Jesus is our peace. That's key. He doesn't say that Jesus gives us peace. He is our peace. He's it. You want peace in your life? Anything apart from Christ will leave you not satisfied. And in Christ, the Gentiles had peace with God and now peace between these two communities that were so divided. And the beauty is through all of that, verse 19 says, not just citizenship, they're family. They're members of the household of God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, with the same heavenly father. What a transformation. So Paul says, I need to remind you first who you are in Christ. And in these final three verses, he lays down and reminds them what their Christian community is built on, how it is formed, and what empowers us to live it out. So let's look at verses 20 through 22. That's the, the focus of the remainder of our time together. Verse 20. This community is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. In verse 20, looking at the word order, he says apostles first, then the prophets here, Paul is speaking of the New Testament apostles and prophets. The apostles were those who had either been with Jesus or had seen Jesus in his teaching, had been commissioned by Christ, 
And we see in scripture, they possess supernatural gifts to affirm their message. When you think apostle, you think of the disciples, you think of Paul, you think of Barnabas. The prophets, we often think of the Old Testament prophets. These were those who foretold the future, that that God had given that divine revelation to lead the people of God during that time. Well, in the New Testament period, we see for a brief period, there were prophets as well who continued to declare the word of God until, as we have today, the completed word of God. And Paul reminds the church, while those roles no longer exist today, the early church, the apostles and prophets specifically laid a foundation for us. Specifically, their main role was a teaching role. So those foundational stones of the community we have today is God's word spoken through those men. And he made it crystal clear, though, that they are aligned straight from the cornerstone of the church Jesus Christ. I wanted to get a cool picture of a cornerstone, but I didn't have any luck this week. So as, as the Jews would have known in the first century Gentiles, uh, by Jesus being called the cornerstone, he was the foundation of the building of the church. A cornerstone in a building uh, stuck for the stability of that building, the unity of the building, the character in the building. Every other stone in the building would line up to the cornerstone. It said the original Jerusalem temple would have had these foundational stones, including the cornerstone, as long as 29 feet in length. Jesus is that massive cornerstone of our Christian community. He's it. Every other stone aligns up to Christ. That's the first thing we see about our community, the foundation. The foundation of Christian community is Jesus Christ and God's word. Therefore, therefore, if you're in a Christian community that ever starts to divert or twist or tamper with the absolute truth of God's word, they are going to lose their foundation. It will crumble. When you start to turn to the subjective ways of culture, the subjective ways of man, and leave the objective, absolute truth of God's word, you are losing your foundation of Christian community. There's often tough, tough conversations we have in the body of Christ, but we cling to the fact that when we have them, as long as we stand on our foundation, God will hold us together. If you're new with us, that's who we are as a church, and you always want to be in a community that clings to the foundation of the word of God. Now, also, for a thousand years, that Jerusalem temple was a static building made of inanimate objects and materials put together. And and God's presence filled the temple and God's people went to the temple. But he reminds us here in verses 20 and 21 that the temple now is not a building. It is a living, active, dynamic, moving people, you and me. We are the holy temple of God. Verse 21, he says, in whom, in Christ, the whole structure is joined together and we grow into this holy, that means set apart. We are a set apart temple for the Lord. I love how Peter puts it, 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are built as a spiritual 
house. Think about that foundation. As we stand on the foundation of Jesus and God's word, and every time a person trusts in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it's another living stone added to the holy temple of God. And you want to talk, in a, in a time in our country where people feel isolated, marginalized, unimportant, God says that through his son, he invites you into everlasting Christian community. And we're not some haphazard pile of stones thrown together in a dump yard. No, we are strategically through Christ put together, formed together. You are strategically purposed in the church. He has aligned you with his son and with the other believers. He has gifted you in a certain way. He has you right where he wants you to be in his glorious community. That's the second thing we see. The foundation is all of God, and so is the formation of Christian community. It is God's work through Jesus to align you, to gift you, to develop you, and to connect you with other believers. In Christ, think about that last one. In Christ, we're like that temple. If I'm a living stone, I'm placed a uh, on top of a bunch of it, others. Other believers are supporting me. And the ones coming after me, now I provide support. We're needed together. We're essential together. That's how important you are to Christian community. You're not a mistake. You're not, you're not haphazardly placed at the Bible chapel right now. That's the danger, I think, of church hopping. If you don't plant roots, how are you going to have that significant community that God desires in his temple? And then he says, so for foundation, that's all the work of God. He's done that through the, the foundation of his word, which Jesus says the cornerstone. He says the formation, that's all God too. He calls us unto himself, and then he strategically gifts us and gives us everything we need. But the third part, the function of Christian community, a two-way street. Verse 22, in Christ, you are also being built into a dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. Again, think about the presence of God during the history of God's people. In the wilderness, it was the tabernacle and the glory of God would fill up that place in the tabernacle. Then it went to the Jerusalem temple and, and the glory of God would fill the temple. And now, and now, I, I don't know how we could ever stop being overwhelmed by this. Now the glory of God indwells in me and dwells in you. His spirit resides in the life of every believer. And it's through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit alone that we can even function as a Christian community. But put it this way, we see throughout Scripture. The function of Christian community involves the Spirit's empowerment and our commitment to obedience. The Holy Spirit empowers the church to function in Christian community as God has always desired us to do, but we have our part our part to live out in community the way that God calls us to according to his word. There's so much we could spend just on, on that part 
of the church? How do we function? We're going to get into that more. We're going to get more into uh, the new, uh, in the, in the fall as we go through scripture. We have some exciting stuff coming as we discuss that. But right now, I just want to hit five ways that you can check yourself. Am I committed to Christian community? And you have heard these many, many times. So some of you are like, oh, not again. Or maybe this is new for you and you can, we can welcome you to the Bible chapel. Here's who we are. Check yourself. How are you doing in these five areas that we call our five values? The first part is God's word. Are you in God's word every day? Here's the deal. If we're going to be, think about the impact. If we're going to be a church of almost 4,000 people across uh, all our campuses and be effective, we all better be digging in to the foundation of our church, to God's word. Are you in God's word every day? Here's the deal. COVID has no effect on that. COVID has no effect on that. Are you in God's word? Second, are you committed to worship? Worship is every area of your life, your job, your marriage, moms, dads, grandparents, all of that is worship unto God. And are you committed to corporate worship together? Now that seems a little off as many, actually most of our church families online, but here's the deal. COVID can't take away God's word. COVID can't take away the fact that we're in Christ. COVID cannot take our unity through the spirit. We're not a, we're not a static building. So we can still be united in worship every single weekend, whether you're here or you're online. Stay committed. It can get easy when you get away from coming to church physically to kind of, I'll miss this weekend. Don't do that. Stay committed to worship together. Next week, make sure you're here physically or online. We're kicking off a series called Know God. You'll, the graphic shows that popping out of the word unknown because in Athens, like our culture, Paul was walking around and he sees all these false gods. Even one, he says, you have a God, seriously, to an unknown God. How many people in our nation are following unknown gods, seeking for something? When we have the one true God, we have the answer. This summer, we're going to spend the entire summer drilling down on the attributes of God. Who is God? To set us up for a fall series we're really excited about as we travel through the story of Scripture. Be committed. Be committed physically or digitally every weekend in worship. Third is connect, right? That connection, these living stones working together as the body of Christ. If you don't have a place of a connection, we'd love to help you. Maybe you're part of a small group that's meeting digitally already. If not, we've launched these digital, digital discussion groups. They're simple. You just connect with us. We'll put you in a group. The, the group each week talks about the sermon and questions from it and just builds community. It puts you with other living stones for connection. Call us, uh, biblechapel.org, chapel-groups. We'll get you connected. Make sure you have a place of connection during this time. Number four, serve. How you doing in giving everything unto God? Your time, your talents. Remember, you, you're uniquely gifted. You're, you're, that, you're that only stone in the temple of the Lord that can fit that spot. Do you know how God has gifted you? Your gifts. We, pray, we praise God for your generosity over the past five months. Are we going to continue to give faithfully during this time? We think about VBS, be praying for vacation Bible school. We're going to have homes throughout all our campuses hosting VBS. Kristen and I are hosting, and we're already filled. Our, we're going to have uh, all the kids in our neighborhood in our backyard be praying for that. We, we still have spots to serve. If, you, if you're able to serve, let us know. We'll get you plugged in. Send your kids. 
to one of our backyard neighborhood BBS. That's a great way to serve. And one more, share. Because if we're going to have more living stones stacked upon us, guess who God uses? You and me. And here's the deal. Social media, like never before, is being taken over by all these hashtags. And all these messages of truth are going out. Man, what an opportunity. What an opportunity to share the gospel like never before. I made up one called hashtag more living stones. How many of you would like to see more living stones in the temple of God, right? Yeah, we can clap for that. Our, our youth, we were emailing this week, our youth pastors, just how TikTok and how th- that generation is using it for all this political stuff. We said, man, our, our, our youth should be using all that to promote Jesus to their generation. How can you? How can you share the love of Christ in a time where I believe people's hearts are open more than ever? Word, worship, connect, serve, share. What's an area the Spirit of God is saying, you know what? You know what? Let's do some work this week. I'll empower you. I'm just asking you to make the commitment. Why don't you stand? We're about to close in a song. Now, I think uh, the lyrics fit well what we talked about this weekend. And it's a picture, I believe, I think of John and that, 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 that revelation. In Revelation 7, he sees that one day before the throne of God, there's every nation, every tribe, every language, every generation praising God on the throne. And what we do now in Christian community gives us a glimpse of that. May we be a church in the world who's craving true community. Exemplify it every day in our lives and exemplify it as one body here at the Bible Chapel.